Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Missing Piece. This is episode one of season two. Lots happened since our last episode. Most notably, our business has been just really taken off, you know, so... At the final episode of last season, I had three team members in our coaching business. There's Angie and myself plus three. Between January and March, we ended up hiring 10 more. Um, naturally, you can probably assume that we were pretty busy just A, with the ever-growing business as it was, and then training, hiring, and making sure that all these people had everything they needed to kick ass as members of our team. And so that was really where my focus went. And when my focus is there, what I really felt like at that time is my content was just, I felt like I was going through the motions with it, with my writing, with the podcast, with everything. So I actually really didn't post anything on social media for a while. I decided to take a break from the podcast and come back with a new season at a later date and just focus on what was in front of me because here's the deal. If I feel like I'm going through the motions, I don't feel if with my content specifically, I don't feel like I'm putting very much value into the world. And I'm very cognizant of that. You know, everybody has a platform these days, which is awesome, but I also don't just want to add to the noise. So I want to make sure that everything I create is really, you know, valuable and unique. And that's, that's what I intend this podcast to be. And so as I was trying to sort of realign myself and find the essence of my message, um, Bryce, the podcast producer, I was kind of telling him that I was stuck and I was telling him what I was feeling. I was going through the motions and he recommended I, just record a podcast for myself. Just talk through my story because you can really get the essence of what's important to somebody, what their values are. Um, of You can get an essence of who they are through their story and just record that podcast. Tell your own story to yourself and do so in a way as if nobody's ever, ever going to hear it. And, and that's exactly what I did. And after sharing it with a few people, with a few friends, they were like, hey, you know what? This is actually a really powerful podcast. And we, we, we definitely think you should release it. So I was like, awesome. That is exactly what I'm going to do. That is episode one, season two of The Missing Piece. And that is exactly what you're going to dig into today. Enjoy. I get asked a lot how I got into the fitness world, you know, both as a business, um, but also just how, how I got into it as myself. And there's a lot of times this underlying assumption that if I'm sitting here Basically, if I'm a fit adult, and specifically if I am running a fitness business, I must have always been into it. There's this sort of underlying assumption that I was Johnny Football Hero in high school, and I took my passion for sports and my passion for, you know, well-being and achievement, and I and I parlayed it into a career into my adulthood. That couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I did not play any sports in high school. I was much more of the creative type. To be honest with you, I always, I always beat to my own drum. You know, I was, I was kind of strange. Um, I spent a lot of my time playing music. I played like four different instruments. I read books. <laughs> I wrote a lot, you know, I really thrived in English class and I was super shy. You know, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't like, you know, a weird goth kid or anything, but, um, I, I kind of kept to myself and, and followed my creative pursuits. Right. And, you know, that's all well and good. That's, that's all well and good that I, you know, I know a lot of you guys listening are coming from that same spot and it wasn't really, I never felt out of place necessarily. I mean, yeah, I was, I was a nice guy. I got put in the friend zone a couple times in high school, but I didn't really have the pain. Uh, um, I didn't really have the pain of not being a jock until a little bit later, which was in college. And 
at that point there was a big, I started to see that I had been fed some bullshit by the adults in my life, you know, and as a smart kid, as a creative kid, as a quiet kid, um, as a strange kid, (laughs) I was told a lot that like, Hey man, you know, looks don't matter. It's on the inside you know, that, that is what counts. Um, you know, you have a beautiful mind and people, the right people will see that. And, and, and that's really nice. That, that makes you feel really good. I guess when people say that to you, the problem is though, that it's not true. And that became really, really apparent to me as I, as I got into college. And for the first time in my life, I, I really became aware of the social hierarchy, if you will, and that there were super popular people and that there were, you know, people who were not as high on that social hierarchy. And I didn't like that because what I came to realize was that having a physically strong body, like a big, strong physique, wearing certain clothes, they automatically got more people to look at you. They automatically gave you status. I didn't know how to fucking dress. You know, I had a preppy ass older brother. I I wore like band t-shirts and jeans and shit and, and, and like Converse All-Stars, right? <laughs> um, I didn't know how to dress. I didn't have a fucking physique for shit. You know what I mean? I was really tall and lanky and, um, you know, and, and there was this disconnect because I'm like, fuck, you know, all these dudes who immediately get attention, who immediately get status granted to them by girls, by other guys, who immediately everybody in class is drawn to, um, a lot of it has to do with that physical package, which I don't have. And I was bummed out because I was bummed out because not only did I not have that, so I was, my status was diminished, if you will. But then I felt a little bit of shame about wanting that status because a lot of people, a lot of those same adults in, in the in the whole play nice in this world bullshit taught you that you don't need status. You don't need to be popular. And so then I had this weird shame around wanting to dominate, around wanting to be Johnny football hero. Not necessarily because I played football, right? Not necessarily that I needed to be a jock, but I fucking wanted to be at the top of the hierarchy. And it pissed me off. Because I knew I could be. Because I knew I was a smart motherfucker. I knew I was a funny motherfucker. I knew I was interesting. I knew I could carry a conversation and captivate people. But I, but I blended in. I blended into the crowd, man. Um, I blended in the crowd and I, into the crowd, and I got looked over a lot. Uh, in, in a lot of different ways, both from, you know, like I said, both from girls, both from just the status of the other guys. I, I didn't want to be that anymore. I wanted to be the fucking leader. And, you know, I was having these thoughts and I, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting now, but there was definitely shame around wanting to be at the top of the hierarchy. <laughs> Cause I was like, man, I'm not supposed to want that. Right. <laughs> I'm supposed to care about being nice. I'm supposed to care. I'm supposed to not care about status because uh, I just want to be smart. I shouldn't care about cool clothes. I shouldn't care about having a fucking physique that stands out. That's shallow, right? That's what all the grownups told me. And so anyway, these things are brewing in my mind and I'm, you know what? I'm becoming resentful for it. I've always, I had always had a chip on my shoulder. 
um, which stemmed from <laughs> being on the you know front edge of the uh, divorced home trend in America, right? So I was I was the kid who had a stepdad. That was weird at the time, right? In the early nineties, and and so I had this little chip on my shoulder. I was a little bit of an inferiority inferiority complex just from that, right? But then it grew and grew and grew in these late teen years as I started to realize, like, man, um, <laughs> I, I'm not where I want to be socially. I I don't want to blend in. I want to stand out. I want to be noticed. But then also, I'm embarrassed that I want to be noticed. Because I've been told I shouldn't. And so, I'm at Christmas break. I'm home for Christmas break, sitting in my basement. And I'm sitting with a girlfriend, right? And we're watching MTV's Real World. And this dude comes on. This dude from this uh, this dude from Illinois, or from like the suburbs where we were from, was going to be on it, you know? And so that's why we're watching. Well, I mean, we we were watching anyway, but we're specifically tuned in to see Brad, <clears throat> which is funny that his name's Brad. But anyway, twice, twice this girl goes, "Wow, he's fucking jacked." And then she, you know, ten minutes later, she goes, "What a stud! He's jacked." In this complex, this inferiority complex, and I am not ashamed to admit it now, though at the time I definitely would have been. I was like, "Fuck this! I need to get jacked." Right. Because now for the first time ever, not only do I recognize that is a problem that looks matter, that I want status, that I want to be noticed. Not only do I recognize that, but I recognize that it's a solvable problem. Dudes can lift weights and literally transform themselves. And so I went to, um, I went to the internet. <laughs> this is 2002 or three. And so this is the, it's, it must've been 2003. I'm pretty sure I was 20 or was I 19? I don't know. Anyway, um, I go to the internet It's very early in the internet sales, like internet marketing day. Like it's kind of shady still to buy stuff from the internet. And, um, I know what you're thinking. No, I didn't buy steroids. I bought a program. I bought a program called Gaining Mass by Anthony Ellison. And it changed my life because he was a really smart guy. And he, the way he presented everything clicked with my mind. It came with a big-ass textbook, which I, read, which I read faster than any of my college textbooks. It came with a 12-week training program laid out in specific phases to get you stronger and bigger. And then he came, it came with like a tape measure and body fat calipers and a nutrition program, like the whole deal to see yourself transform. <laughs> And I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, this is a big undertaking because now not only do I have to learn how to lift weights, but like I got to figure out how to wiggle in this nutrition portion, blah, blah, blah. So what I did, that was Christmas break and I was living in a fraternity house at the time. Um, I went to school two weeks early because one week early, everybody starts arriving at the fraternity house. So I went two weeks early to be by myself. So I drove from the Chicago suburbs down to the, the cornfields in central Illinois, Champaign, and I went grocery shopped, but all the food I needed. And we had a weight room in a fraternity house. And I lived there by myself in a, in a house that's supposed to be, you know, capacity 90 guys. I'm in there by myself focused on nothing, but rereading this book over and over again, eating the foods I need to eat and lifting weights. And that was it, man. I was, I was hooked. Um, only problem was though that, only problem was people started arriving soon and I didn't, I didn't want anybody to see how weak I was. 
I couldn't even bench press 135, which if you don't know what that is because you've never lifted, that's a 45-pound plate on each side of the bar. And so when people started driving, I literally joined a gym that was off campus and I drove off campus, even though there was a weight room right in my basement, I drove off campus until I could get strong enough to bench press where people could see me with a 45 pound plate on each side. And that, that changed everything. It changed the way I felt about myself. It changed my status quickly. It made me a little bit more bold in the clothes that I wore made me okay with wanting what I wanted. I made peace with the fact that I always wanted to be the fucking man. And I made peace with the fact that I did have some innate gifts in terms of a creative mind, an intelligent mind, the ability to build rapport with people very quickly, right? I was a social guy when I wasn't letting my, my anger and inferiority take over. But I made I made peace with the fact that there was something there was something lacking and there's something I could be doing better to build that up to get what I wanted. And when you when you understand that mindset, that rather than being angry about there being a gap between you and what you want, it's actually the best thing in the world because if you can identify what that gap is, you can close it. And that's what I did. And. I can tell you it was a fucking game changer because you've probably, if you're listening to this and, and you're, you're nodding along, you're like, dude, I was kind of that, I was kind of that more uh, intellectual type or that creative type. And I always kind of wondered what it would like to be Jack because now, I mean, you're in your thirties, you're in your forties, you've done well for yourself, right? You have the kids, you, you've done well in, you've done well in your job and in your career and you've made money and you've got an awesome life, but you've still never wondered or you still never crossed that bridge. You're still wondering what's it like to be jacked? Is it important? What would that do for my life? How would it change the the way my wife looks at me? You know, is it too late? No, it's not. I can tell you that right now. It's never too late. Um, and I want to address a couple of things because when I was in college and I wasn't doing this, I, if I'm being real with you, I, I really, at that time, I wanted to, I was very excited to get the fuck out of my hometown. Okay. And so when I did get accepted to college, I didn't come home often. I stayed the summers there. I would pop in and out for Christmas break, go back and just sit by myself and just be away from my hometown, you know? And as I grew physically, you know, and my confidence grew, the clothes I was wearing changed because I was more confident now. Um, my, my, you know, my persona changed because I'm more confident now. And as I started to go back to home, right. For, for family gatherings and whatnot, I could tell that my status had immediately changed. I was always the youngest in my cousin group, but now people deferred to me as the leader. Isn't that interesting? And and it's so subtle you could miss it if it wasn't you receiving that attention. But if you were receiving it, you would see the difference in the way people looked at you. And, you know, I mean, it was definitely same story with my mom, which is weird to talk about. But it's like, you know how you think, oh, man, your, your mom loves you no matter what. It's unconditional. Let me tell you something. Of course she does. But she's more fucking proud of you when you are 
jacked and showing up in a certain way. And the only reason I bring that up is because that absolutely transfers to where you're at right now with your wife. Your wife loves you no matter what. She's proud of the things that you've accomplished in your career. She's proud of the father you are. But she doesn't have that look, man. You'll never know that look until you get fucking jacked and you start you start stepping into really the complete circle of who you are, which is not just the smart dude, which is not just the nice dude, right? But it's the dude who craves and creates more status for himself. Your wife won't leave you, but the look she gives you when you are a high status individual in the social hierarchy is worth any amount of gym time. That's what it's all about. Because guess what, guys? It bleeds down to your kids too. The big lie about the big lie about how oh, it only matters what's on the inside, right? You can you know as long as you're nice, you can be a good dad. Of course you can. I'm not saying you can't be a good dad. But your kids don't want a fucking dork for a dad either. And they're going to give you little looks. When you have that little inferiority complex, when you show up at kids' birthday parties, and you have that little look of envy for the guy who gets all the attention, for the guy who the kid, who all the other kids are automatically drawn to, for the guy who, who all the wives laugh a little too hard at his dumb jokes, yeah, and you you won't be able to conceal your envy, even if it's at an unconscious level. The looks on your face, the the smallness that you feel, the inferiority that you feel, will be picked up on by your kids, consciously or unconsciously. They're going to change the way they look at you. They love you, of course. They love you. You're their, you're their dad, but the way they look at you when you show up as the guy who everybody circles around. When you show up as the guy who's magnetic, when you show up as the guy who all the kids want to go play at your house because dad's cool as fuck. When you show up as the guy who all the wives go, hey, why don't you go hang out with with so-and-so a little bit more? He's a really nice guy. And what they really mean is he's cool as fuck and I wish you were a little more cool as fuck too. (laughs) You want your kids to look at you that way, don't you? I do. I'm, you know what? And here's the thing. You might even have a little bit of shame about admitting that. Um, I'm just, sh- I'm just shameless in that regard. Like I don't give a fuck, you know, I absolutely, it is absolutely important for me to receive that attention because guess what? It serves everybody else too. It serves everybody else too. Your wife deserves to have a fucking husband who is the alpha. And I hate that word cause it's stupid, but your wife deserves to have a man who's at the center of all the social circles. Your wife deserves to have a dude who's living up to his potential in every area and not just hiding behind the fact that he's a fucking smart dude. He should be brawn and brains. Your kids deserve a man who knows who he is. You, your kids deserve a man who looks and says, I want to be a complete individual because when I am complete, when I complete the circle, of not just being an intellectual, not just having my emotions in check and being a kind and loving person, because those two things are important and you can give things to your kids. But if you complete the circle, 
by having a physical presence as well, you become irresistible to other people. And now your kids look at you in a way and they go, man, I'm, that's my dad. And your wife looks at you, that's my man. And there's a certain pride in the way they look at you. That they simply won't if you sit there and you fucking hide and you sit there and you play small. And you say, here, I'm a nice guy. I don't need all that. I don't need attention. Yeah, mm, I'm sorry. You do. And your kids need you to be that person. Because when they grow up, a sense of where they came from is one of the most important gifts you can give a young man or a young girl as they step into the world as a young adult. If you role model for them what it means to unabashedly live the life that you want, to have no shame around the fact that you want to be, you want to dominate the social hierarchies and you're okay with that. It it gives them permission to do the same because we all fucking want it. Nobody sets out and says, I want to be a bottom feeder, but I want to be really nice. Nobody does. Nobody steps out and says, yeah, I want to make a lot of money, but I want to feel really small and insecure about my body. Nobody says that. Nobody. The only reason people live that way is because they don't have the fucking balls to step out and say that they want what they want. And when they do, they can bridge the gap between that dude who's smart, creative, intellectual, funny and witty. Cause let's be, let's be real. You gotta be smart to be funny. People love funny, <clears throat> but if you can package that with a physical presence that draws attention, has your wife and your kids proud of you, makes you confident enough to wear whatever the fucking clothes you want. And he puts you at the center of the circle. Has people drawn to you? What you've done now, have you set an example for your kids to live a life where they are never ashamed to want what they want? And they literally, the sense of where they come from will be a, a place where people just, where life is designed to have what you want to have and to go after it unabashedly and unashamedly. If you can remove that filter that so many of us have, Saying things like, I don't need this. I don't need that. What I have is good enough. If you can remove that filter, you just go, dude, what do you want? Go get it. Whether it's material, whether it's relationship, whether it's status and attention. If you remove all the shame around wanting those things for your children, if you, if you remove it for yourself, then you set that example for your children. And now you've broken a cycle that's been going on for years and years and years. And you've, you've, you've let your kids break free of some of the shame that society puts on people. And you've given them the biggest leg up they can possibly have because everybody wants the same thing more or less may look a little bit different, right? But people want money because money buys you security and money buys you freedom. People want status. People want to be attractive, not because they're going to go fuck around on their wife but because it's an innate human need to want to be attractive. Because when you're attractive, you attract more opportunities in business, more opportunities in friendship. When you have status, you get to decide what social circles you run in. 
Yet somehow, guys like you and I have been brought up with this little thing, right? Where it only matters what's on the inside, and it creates the shame about wanting what you want. Let's break that circle, yeah? Yeah.